always told me I was a little angel. <laughs> We're, uh, oh boy, this is going to be fun. We are starting today a sermon series called Stranger Things, Closer Than They Appear. And my hope is that we have some fun with this. Like, number one, I want us to have fun. Number two, I want us to learn some things. Number three, I want us to always leave with hope. Probably not in that order, right? Like, it's mostly leave with hope, learn some things, and have fun. But if we can do all of those things at the same time, win. So uh, there's this passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And it says, Paul writes in it, we aren't fighting human enemies, but we're fighting against rulers and authorities and cosmic forces of darkness and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. And so there's this idea that there are spiritual forces of good and there are spiritual forces of evil. Today we're going to talk about spiritual forces of good and next week we're going to talk about spiritual forces of evil and then on the last Sunday of this month, you should all wear your Halloween costumes. I came up with a really good one, actually, um, uh, between, or before service started today. I was given a gift, and I was like, oh, that's going to be part of my costume for sure. And so um, show up for sure, wear a costume of some sort. If you don't wear costumes, that's fine. You don't have to st- show up anyway. And we're just going to have some fun with trying to celebrate the season of All Hallows' Eve together and then... Um, So yeah, have you ever had an experience where you just can't really explain it, but something good happened? Like, you knew that God was sending you a message of some sort, and it was kind of in an unexplainable way, where if you told somebody about it, they might be like, what happened to Audrey Keating that she had that happen to her, you know? So for me, like one time, uh, it was... um, Actually, it was Christmas Eve. I was in college. Michelle and I were engaged, and she was in Texas visiting her biological dad and his family. And I had to work here that day, or not here at Morningstar, but here in Las Cruces. And so I was kind of running behind, and I left, and I started heading to Carlsbad. I was wanting to make it to Carlsbad in time to go to church with my mom and dad to the candlelight service. And so I was kind of in a hurry. And it was snowing, of all things, in Las Cruces and El Paso. And so as I'm going through El Paso, uh, I got out off of Montana, headed towards Carlsbad, and there was a a truck accident out there, a a semi-truck had jackknifed. And they closed the highway, and I was like, oh, man, how am I going to get home? And so this was before you could just, like, type things in on your phone and find out. So I I found out that I could go way around, and it was going to take me much longer. And so I'm driving down. Lee Trevino, and I was praying. And my prayer was, God, I guess I'm not going to make it home for the Christmas Eve service, but just get me home safe. And I looked up, and I was at at Lee Trevino in Yarbrough, I think. Jim, is that an intersection? At Lee Trevino in Yarbrough. And I was leaning to make sure I was on Lee Trevino as I'm praying, and when I sat back, boom, I T-boned a truck that was uh, ran the red light in front of me. He spun around and like spare tire flew out of his back of his truck and landed in the windshield of a minivan. Um, it was just a giant mess. He jumps out of his truck and he starts running around yelling stuff. And I was like, oh man, he hit his head and he's gone crazy, you know. And uh, I'm just like, you know, like this kid and I get out and I'm like, man, I don't even know what to do now. Long story short, um, a lady 
uh, was started talking to me, invited me to go to her church. Uh, she's, I had on a, a necklace that was a cross, and she's like, oh, you're a believer. Do you want to come to church with me? And I was like, no. <laughs> and my sister-in-law's uncle came and picked me up, and he was having a Christmas party, and I visited with a bunch of people that I didn't know, and I still have never met again. And, the ne- and my, my dad and brother came and picked me up, and we drove across the desert on this moonlit, snowy night, and it was beautiful. And I got up the next morning, and I had a bruise on my chest, in the shape of a cross. Coincidence? Maybe. But to me, it was telling me that God was with me in the midst of all of that. I have a friend, uh, Ryan Merchant, who was telling me one time that uh, he was having a really hard day, and he left work, and he was walking home. He lived like a mile away from where he worked, and he was walking home. And he was praying, like, God, I just need to know that you're with me today. And he's, like, looking down at the sidewalk. And when he looked up, there was a perfectly white dove on the sidewalk in front of him. Probably somebody released it at their wedding, you know. I mean, that happens sometimes. But the fact that he saw it right then and there, to him, felt like God telling him, I hear you and I'm with you. You are not alone. We call those moments and those times thin spaces, where the space between us and the divine is really thin. The Bible says that there are these beings that come to us. Hebrews 1.14 says, Aren't all angels ministering spirits who are sent to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? We have this idea of angels being, like having wings and we think about like the Christmas angels, you know, angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains. But there's this other passage in Hebrews 13.2 that says, don't neglect to open your homes to guests. Because by doing this, some have been host to angels without knowing it. The idea is that we encounter angels all the time. And we sometimes, people, I've talked to people who are like, oh yeah, I know for sure I encountered an angel. But most people that I've ever talked to about this are like, yeah, this one thing happened, and I'm not really sure what that was, but I mean, it had to be an angel, right? Like, I heard the story of a state police officer in Roswell, New Mexico one time. I was, Mike will appreciate this, I was on a walk to Emmaus, and he told, uh, he gave testimony of this thing that happened. He was a state police officer. He was between Roswell and Vaughn, New Mexico. And if you've ever been out there, you, you know that there's nothing. Like, I mean, it, there is nothing out there except antelope. And uh, there was an escaped convict from Santa Fe who was supposed to be in the area, was armed and dangerous. And if you encountered him, you were supposed to call for backup. And a car goes speeding past, and this police officer pulls the car over, And as soon as he gets out of his car, the escaped convict jumps out, lays on the ground, and surrenders. So the state police officer goes over, arrests him, radios in what had happened, puts him in the car, starts taking him back to Roswell. And the guy says, where's everybody else? And he said, what do you mean everybody else? And he said, well, when you pulled me over and I looked in the rearview mirror, there were like 10 or 20 of you guys behind me. Where are they? And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. Was he on drugs? Was he hallucinating? 
Or was God sending angels to give a message to possibly both men, I'm here with you? I don't know. Here's what we know about angels. Oftentimes we think that when someone we love dies, you've, you've heard this, possibly you've said it like, God needed another angel. Or, or they've gone on to become an angel. They've sprouted wings and now they're angels. Well, the fact of the matter is, angels are other created beings. We can read about them early on in Scripture and all the way through Revelation. The Bible says that we are created higher than the angels. So we don't die and become angels. We, we die and we are us. We, we go on to be more of us in a deeper and more real spiritual way than we could ever imagine. That's what happens when we die. But angels are created beings who've been there forever. There are two named angels in the Bible. Anybody know who they are? I knew you were going to have this one, Micah. Who are they? Gabriel and Michael. Those are the only two angels that are named in the Bible. Next week we'll talk about another one that's a fallen angel, but uh, the two good angels that we know about that have a name are Gabriel and Michael. And also, you need to know this, and I'll talk more about it next week, there is no opposite of God. So angels aren't like God. They, God is completely different and separate than everything. So when we start hearing people talk about Satan and the devil and demons, they are not the opposite of God. They are the opposite of Gabriel and Michael, the archangels. In Hebrew and in Greek, angel means messenger. So anytime that somebody in Scripture encounters an angel, that angel is doing what? Bringing a message from God. So anytime you encounter or entertain, as Scripture says, an angel, that angel is doing what? Bringing a message to let you know you are not alone. They always say, do not be afraid. You're not alone. It's all going to be okay. So spiritual forces of good are all around us, and sometimes we recognize them, and sometimes we don't. But since I've been talking about how angels are not human beings who have died and gone on and sprouted wings and fly around playing harps and doing that sort of thing, I need to talk a little bit about what happens when we die. Has anybody ever encountered a ghost? Yeah, some of you last week were like, I have, I've seen a ghost before. A a couple of times, huh? Geo, one time we had when I was a kid, and it died. And uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, and it was on the foot of my bed. And I was like, what the heck? And then it ran off. I don't know, was it a ghost dog? Was it like me dreaming that the dog was there and it really wasn't there, I don't know. All I know is this, there's one place in Scripture where ghosts come up, and King Saul, who was not a good guy, conjures up the ghost of Nathan, the prophet. Nathan had died, and he conjures up the ghost. But this is what is said about those times. Deuteronomy 18.10 says this, There must not be anyone among you who passes his son or daughter through fire, who practices divination, is a sign reader, fortune teller, or sorcerer. And the reason why is that sometimes we can get so focused on these ideas of a ghost 
that we start to do things that begin to look like another religion that is not ours, another faith that is not ours, and we start to put our trust in things that are not God. And so when we start to try to conjure up those things and have communication in a tangible and physical way with beings that are dead and gone, we are beginning to dabble in things that maybe we are going to lead us astray. And so I'd encourage you not to do those things because you don't want to be led astray into other, other places. But that's the only place in Scripture that anybody ever encounters something from the dead that way. And we're told, stay away from those things. Now, I don't know what it is, but here's my theory. I think oftentimes... We have experiences from people who have loved us, that have, de- have died and gone on, and we have a, a, a feeling of their presence being with us. When I was, I think, 23 or 24, I went to a family reunion in Buffalo Gap, Texas. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, I have a t-shirt that says, where in the H is Buffalo Gap, Texas? So if you've never been there, don't sweat it, except if you ever go to Abilene, got to go to Buffalo Gap and go to Perini Ranch Steakhouse. It's the best place you'll ever eat in the whole world, I promise. Unless you're a vegetarian, then you'll hate it. <laughs> anyway, I, I take it back. We weren't in Buffalo Gap. We were in Tuscola, which is right, right, right next to Buffalo Gap, which that means nothing to you because you've never been there. But there was this little family reunion at a community center in Buffalo Gap, Texas, and it was all of the people that were my granddad's family were there, cousins of his, sisters and brothers of his, and, and uh, I had a, just an amazing time getting to look at these people who looked like my granddad and talk to people who knew stories about him and find the similarities and appearance and facial expressions, and it was just really a great time for me. Well, in 2011, I moved to Abilene, Texas, and I was invited to go speak to the Lions Club in, in Tuscola. And I'm, so I went to Tuscola, and their meeting was at that same community center. And I parked my truck at the back, and I got out, and I started walking up, and I promise you I could smell my grandma. It was the strangest thing. It was like she was there with me, like I could smell her house and her kitchen and the way she would smell when I was a little kid and would sit in her lap. And it wasn't scary at all. It was really comforting to me. Hebrews says this. So then, with endurance, let's also run the race that is laid out in front of us since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let's throw off any extra baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, and finish the race. We have this idea of saints. If you, uh, Grayson, could you flip over to the side of my all-time favorite saint? My favorite saint. See the deer up in the top right-hand corner? This is Saint Eustace. He is the patron saint of Hunters. That's why he's my favorite. His feast day is September 20th. Guess what I was doing on September 20th? Hunting. I did not pray to St. Eustace on September 20th, and we didn't recognize his feast day that day. 
The story of St. Eustace is that he was on a hunting trip with some friends of his, and he was following this deer into the forest, and he's separated from his hunting partners, and the deer turned around and looked at him and started walking toward him, and a crucifix appeared between the deer's antlers, and he got a message from God saying he needed to be baptized that very day, so he went to the Bishop of Rome, the Pope, and was baptized right then and there, his whole family also. There's a whole crazy story that goes along with it. It's all myth. It's all mythological, basically. You know, like whether it happened or not, I don't know. But there's all kinds of myth. So the, I'm telling you all this to say that we have an idea of saints that comes from the Roman Catholic Church and the Greek Orthodox or Eastern Orthodox Church, and that saints have done something special, like performed certain amount of miracles, and they're venerated and held up, and that people can. They don't pray to saints. That's a that's that's a misunderstanding of what happens. Catholic folks and Eastern Orthodox folks will ask a saint to intercede for them. So I could have, on September 20th, been like, St. Eustace, I don't know the prayer to St. Eustace, but hey, St. Eustace, I really want for my dad to get an elk today, so come and help us out, you know? Pray for us. Pray for us to God that he would get an elk. I don't think God cares, to be honest, if we harvested an elk or not, but that would be the theory behind it, right? I would ask St. Eustace to pray for me. But in since ancient times until literally today, what the Bible calls saints are people who have died in Jesus. So last Saturday, I celebrated a funeral for Mrs. Dobbs, my third grade teacher. And then on, uh, was it Monday or Tuesday? Monday, we celebrated the life of Bob Templeton who died in Christ and is raised in Christ, they are saints. When you die, you do not become an angel. You become a saint. You become part of the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, encouraging us to continue on and finish the race with strength. And so if somebody is raised in Christ and we believe that we never really die, our souls never die, and eventually our bodies will catch up with our souls, that it makes sense that we would be able to, like, in our heads at least, think of those people and not pray to them, but at least be encouraged by the idea that they are there cheering us on. And so when, as I was walking into that Lions Club meeting that day and I was nervous and I didn't know what I was going to encounter and I really didn't even know what they wanted me to talk about. They didn't give me any ideas. And I remember I was a young, brand new pastor and I was feeling a little shaky and I smelled my grandmother. And it brought me courage. The Spirit of God used that moment to remind me, Ross, there is a great cloud of witnesses surrounding you and you can carry on. There's nothing to be nervous about. Lo and behold, I walked in. It was a room full of really old people. And one of them was like, what would you say your last name is? I said, Whitaker, you spell that with an E? Yes, sir. There used to be a Whitaker lady who lived down the road. You know her? And I was like, never knew her. But I knew her son. And I was encouraged in those moments as well. So if you have a loved one that has died and you deeply miss them, did you know that like well over 90% of people 
who have loved ones who have died, in private, will say, I talk to them all the time. In public, they'll never admit it because it makes them seem crazy. You are not crazy. You are grieving and you are wanting to have someone around you. And it's the great cloud of witnesses saying, carry on. Carry on. Keep running the race. Don't give up. Remember who we are. And then last, and 100% certainly not least, the biggest spiritual force of good in our world is the Holy Spirit, or as some people grew up hearing, the Holy Ghost. Jesus says in John 14, verses 15 through 17, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I'll ask the Father, and he'll send another companion who will be with you forever. This companion is the Spirit, whom the world can't receive because it neither sees nor recognizes him. You know him because he lives with you and will be with you. The Holy Spirit is always with us, filling us up to overflow like a cupcake, building us up, giving us strength, giving us wisdom, helping us know what's right, helping us recognize when we're entertaining an angel or helping us recognize the, 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 the uh, great cloud of witnesses that is surrounding us, encouraging us on. The Holy Spirit is the one that helps us recognize those things and strengthens us. That's why oftentimes you'll hear me say the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer because the Holy Spirit sustains me and us in our faith. And we can't see the Holy Spirit necessarily. We can't hear the Holy Spirit necessarily, although I have met people who say they sometimes hear the audible voice that they recognize as God. Mine usually sounds like Michelle Whitaker, my wife. But the Holy Spirit is there for us. This last um, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I was with 10 other pastors. And we were having a retreat time, and Scott Sharp, a friend of mine and a friend of Morningstars who's been here preaching before, he works for TMF, was the spiritual leader of this time that we had together. And I, I just, you know, like this time of year, I'm, I'm just going to say it because I don't want it to be a secret this time of the year when the days get shorter and the time gets closer to changing, I struggle. I, I don't, I've never been diagnosed with seasonal depression or whatever they call it, but I recognize that something is funky within me as we start getting into November and December and January. And so I'm, I'm, I'm working hard this year to keep my head clear and to remember that I have a great cloud of witnesses around me, that a lot of people love me, and everybody's cheering me on. And so... We're standing there, and you know I like to talk about, you saw two weeks ago when I baptized Micah, that her name is no longer Micah Bolding, it is Micah Bolding, child of God. Dale Yo, child of God. And I forget to remind myself of that sometimes. And we were standing in the prayer garden at Sacramento Methodist Assembly, me and nine other pastors and Scott Sharp. And Scott reminds us, I kid you not, of our baptism vows and had us go around and introduce ourselves, me as Ross Gregory Whitaker, child of God. 
the Holy Spirit was in that moment sustaining me, reminding me that I can't just preach it, I have to live it also. And I know you all have had experiences similar to that. My biggest hope is that today you will walk out of this room remembering all that God does for you, not did for you, but all that God does for you to let you know you are not alone. If you are at home watching this on Facebook and you are alone in your room, you are not alone. You are not alone. The Spirit of God is there with you and reminding you of the great cloud of witnesses that is all around you, sustaining you and strengthening you in the midst of this isolation that we have had to force ourselves into to take care of one another. Let's pray. Holy God, We made it through another week. And some of us didn't know if we would. And some of us are terrified of the week to come and the months to come and even the years to come. Some of us, God, are living in houses that are full of noise and joy, but even in the midst of that, we oftentimes feel alone. And some of us, God, are living in houses that are mostly silent, and we feel alone also. I pray, I pray, oh God, please, please remind us often that you are with us. Whether it be through a bruised shoulder or a bird on the sidewalk, or a phone call from a friend, or the smell of someone from the past, or the voice of a loved one. Keep reminding us. Keep sustaining us. In the name of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, we pray.